Well, gentlemen, this is a special moment. I mean, I it's think so. I think it's our first ever fireside chat. Yep. Father, son, fireside chat. Thank you guys for being here. I appreciate it. Really Thank happy you for being here. here. Wes Whitman, Bob Whitman, Whitman Peterson. Uh, this is fantastic. I want to get to know who you guys are. But first, wh where are we and why are we at a fire? Why are we in the middle of a nowhere at a fire right now? Well, Teague, we are at Auto Camp Cape Cod in Falmouth, Massachusetts. And uh, we're sitting on about 35 to 40 acres of beautiful land overlooking the ocean. And uh, we're this is this is what we do here. We sit around campfires and <laughs> reconnect with each other in the outdoors. It's what we should do more of, right? Know, right? Outdoor connections. <laughs> That's right. All right, we're gonna get into this and we're gonna walk this later, so it's gonna be great. Everybody should watch that. We're gonna walk this later, but let's start with who Bob and Wes are. So father, son, partners, not a family business. So Bob, go first. And as it relates to the lodging business, uh, my first involvement was back with Wyndham Hotels and Resorts when it was only 10 hotels, uh, back when it was owned by the by Crow family uh, in the late 80s. And so it was a company that wasn't doing very well, yep. didn't have much of a future, and really Trammell, uh, you know, asked us to figure out, well, do, should we keep it going or not? And so Harlan Crow and Ann Raymond and myself went out on a 13-week uh, a tour of all the hotels and came back and said, you know, this, it is a people business. We've got some great people. There are certain things we can't do. We can't, we can't maybe compete in the convention business, but we can sure do something in this select serve space, which wasn't, didn't exist then. But, uh, and so we uh, got a team together uh, and, and started to turn that around, recruited a real CEO, uh, Jim Carriker, and then Les Bentley and Dave Johnson. Oh yeah, oh yeah. All became part of that. And um, and so that was my that was the start. So does that make one? Does that mean you were working for Trammell Crow? So at I was the time? Trammell, I was at Trammell Crow. I uh, was the. Does that make you a Texas guy? No, not originally, but I okay. now <laughs> in right. my in my mind. No, so I I served as chief financial officer for the Trammell Crow Group okay. overall, and was head of the investment management and capital markets uh, activities there. Uh, during that time, and so that was my role. But but you know this group of businesses was was an important group, even though it was small, and uh, that was really where we got started. So how long were you, were you with Tremble Crow? So I was Tremble Crow uh, in that role for five, five years, okay. and then we we started a, a firm called Hampstead Group in the '90s that was really quite actively involved. We came back in with Wyndham, backed by the Yale, Stanford, and Princeton endowments. Uh, Backed, uh, backed Wyndham for its real growth then. Yep. Uh, by that time it was turned around and moving. Yeah, so Don McNamara, uh, uh, who had been at Marriott at one point, had been with Bass Brothers uh, in yep. La Quinta. Uh, he and I had been business school classmates. And, uh, and so we, be, we started this in 92, in 92 and, uh, and really immediately became involved with Wyndham again to provide the capital necessary to allow them to grow. They wanted to go public. And we provide, you know, we acquired with Paul Novak's help and everything, I mean, leading the charge, going out and acquiring hotels that got converted to Wyndham Garden oh, Hotels. Yeah. And uh, they went public and then they sold to Patriot American. Yep. Uh, there was a company called Harvey Hotels in Dallas, you know, with uh, Pete Klein and John Beckert 
who were running the most profitable hotels per key that existed. So we said, we can't, we'd love to buy, but there's no meat left on the bone. So we found a company to buy, United Inns, a uh, public company that we, uh, we then we bought, we bought and closed on Harvey Hotels and United Inns the same day. And uh, because we didn't want to buy one without the other. And they, they did such an awesome job fixing uh, United Inns that eventually Holiday Corp or Bass PLC, yeah. who owned Holiday and, and uh, Intercontinental, said, hey, we've kept 110 hotels back you know, that we have kind of held on to over the years. They're, they need renovation, but given what your team has done, uh, we'd like to do it. So we, in one big transaction, acquired all of the uh, hotels that were remaining in the assets from uh, Holiday Corp or Bass PLC and created a went public as a company called Bristol Hotels. Bristol. Bristol Hotels and Resorts, which ultimately, you know, the management company became, you know, led Leeds Intercontinental, or at least yep. the, and uh, and we and the real estate went into Felcor. So that's kind of that long preamble, but that was uh, a lot of involvement in a decade, you know, uh, helping to build some of those businesses. So you, that is nostalgia. Take me back to my father days and yeah. remember in all those companies. So Wes, how did you get into the space? So grew up in Dallas um, and had a chance to, you know, around the dinner table here, all the conversations that were going on real estate. My, my dad is, uh, you know, my, my greatest mentor growing up. Sounds like, like your dad was to you, which yes. is amazing. We never Very knew, we never knew we'd be in business together actually. Um, but I would do summers at his office, you know, just literally calling hotels and asking what their rate and occupancy was. <laughs> and, uh, and then um, I went down a different route. Um, he, he went to the University of Utah. I went to BYU. Okay. Um, he did real estate. I went and did a technology startup. And then when I got to business school, um, I, I was uh, meeting, I met a guy named Bob Faith who had started Starwood Capital with Barry Sternlicht. Bob was focused on uh, the multifamily business at the time. I love the yeah. stories. I love all the yeah. connections. It's yeah. such a small industry. Keep yeah. going. So I, so I met Bob Faith and his team, uh, Bill Maddox and, and Derek Ramsey, Wes Fuller, that whole group, and, uh, and just said, I don't care what these guys are doing. I just want to go work for them. And their pitch was, we give young, young people big things to do. And I was like, sign me up. And so I moved to Charleston, South Carolina. I had never been there. I mean, just didn't even know that Charleston was West Virginia. I didn't know it was in South Carolina as well. And, um, and they, they lived up to every, everything they said. They put me on planes four days a week, learning the real estate business. And then they sent me to California to open up the West Coast um, and uh, with a, a great team out there that, that ended up you know, assembling, we, uh, that, that business grew quite a bit. 2010 came and uh, you can connect the story of the phone call you got, but. You know, so yeah, right after the great financial crisis, we had sold, each of these companies became public and eventually, you know, uh, yeah. our interest was sold along with a seniors housing company called Forum that, Mar that Marriott bought from us. And so um, we had not been active in real estate. I was actually the chairman of a company called uh, uh, Franklin Covey that's a, not in real estate at all. It's yep. a, a leadership development company and so forth. I got a call from one of my uh, anchor investors at the Trammell Crow Company who had been involved with us, you know, in these transactions through the 90s and said, look, the world's collapsed. Um, are you going to get back in? And if, if you are, you know, they just unbelievably graciously said, we'd, we'd love to, to back you. And, um, and so, you know, while still serving as you know, in the role at Franklin Covey, 
you know, I really decided that we should do it. But I said, you know, this is this is a business that requires great partners, and and so uh, we were going to Trammell Crow's funeral. A guy, uh, Joel Peterson, the, the Peterson of Whitman Peterson, who had been the CEO of the Trammell Crow Company when I was CFO. Um, he and I were on a plane to go to Trammell's funeral in Dallas. I told him about the call I'd gotten. Uh, told him that I thought he was going to do it. Told him I knew he wasn't going to be involved, but but loved to have him be like a. He and I had been partners in other things, and just said, "I need a partner." But we said, "Okay, well, now that we're partners, we need somebody who really could uh, run, you know, could do run work. things. Yeah, really run yeah. things." Um, and so, exactly. And so, in their first lapse of judgment of their entire careers, <laughs> no, but, they but like called three me. of my friends had tried to recruit Wes to work with their firms, and Joel and me said, "Well, the only person that would make sense to do it that you would, you know, have that kind of trust with." And I said, well, if we do it, it would just be equal partners. And, uh, and so that's how it got started. So I called him and said, you know, you've got a big thing going at Graystar. I don't want to interrupt that. Uh, but here's what I've been planning to do. But I only want to do it if I can have a great partner. So that's, that's how it got started. So literally recruiting you, father recruiting son. It literally was. Because that's I think Wes had always, you know, had, I mean, we'd like to say never envisioned working together we always had an extremely close relationship, but for that reason, you know, didn't want, you know, he never wanted to feel like anything he was doing was derivative, you know, of what I was doing per se, and I didn't want him to ever feel that way, but nevertheless, you know, he was the best guy to, well, to recruit, so we did, so we did. Was, uh, I thought I'd spend the rest of my career at Graystar, and uh -huh. it really is just a truly exceptional company. So rather than staying there, uh, we, we figured out a way to provide capital back to Graystar and be partners with them. And so yeah. we've done over 200 transactions with Graystar now. We get to be, you know, we're owners in their operating business. We're on their board and investment committee. So it's been just an amazing intersection of the chance to do this, stay very connected with Graystar, and then to find the Graystar-like platforms in other sectors. So our, our, our approach is to essentially say, who would you... Who would you just dream to be partners with in the various sectors where we have high conviction? And then try and see if we could go convince them that we might also be good partners. And, uh, and so in lodging, you know, we started out with Sage Hospitality, Walter Eisenberg and his team, just absolute world-class partners. And um, we were really focused on acquisitions of select service hotels and we did uh, you know, 25 hotels. Paul Novak, we need to pull Paul back in. So Paul, who had been with Bob, was the first call um, that Bob made, knowing we'd be making ho hotel investments. And so Paul Novak came back in, has been leading our lodging efforts for you know the last 12 years. And in a as soon as it became a little more expensive to acquire and renovate hotels, sort of 2014, 2015, we wanted to pivot to development. And we called Hilton and Marriott, asked them who their favorite development partners were. They listed some amazing firms including Concord Hospitality and Mark Laporte and yeah. his team. And, and they have been just, again, world-class, phenomenal partner for us. And we've done a bunch of select service development with them throughout the country. So, so I'm gonna put words in your mouth. So your secret sauce is raising capital, finding the right partner, leaning in and, and pouring gas on what they're doing, no pun intended, on what they're doing yeah. and, and letting them go be the world-class developers that they are. Did I say that right? Yeah, I think it is. And, and I think some would probably think that we might have even had added some value on the operations side, just because, because we had had involvement you know, in leading some of these companies uh, in the past. And so I think the combination that at least we could speak their language. We weren't just capital, 
I think most most of our partners would say that they've yeah. relied on us. Yeah, because most of them have never become the never been the size they're about to become. Yep. But yep. because of the Trammel Crow and Wyndham and you know Bristol and these other companies, they you know have a feeling that hey, they're be, some of the, you know these guys have been down the road before. They they faced a lot of the issues and probably made mistakes on some of the issues that that we're going to face. And so I think a combination of giving them the capital that puts the gas on. And your your point is a good one. We don't have like a formula in advance. Our question is, what it, what is it will, that will be most helpful to our partner? It's not like we have a programmatic, we do this thing, so if you need that thing, we do it. We really are trying to find great partners in great sectors that have the ability to execute at scale or could have the execute, ability to execute at scale and give them and figure out what their vision is or what they're trying to do, make sure it intersects, you know, but, but we're really there to be partners. We kind of always say we want to be like the Sherpa you know, the Sherpa climbing guide who's who's there to do the hard, you know, hard C lifting. Carry a lot of, carry a lot of bags to try to hopefully <laughs> And maybe in the summit photo, we might like be over on the side somewhere, yeah. but you know, but we're not trying to be the star of these things at all, but we hope we can be, we're viewed as a really helpful partner. So let's, let's pick on Neil at AutoCamp where we are yeah. right now, right? That's yep. that, let's yep. go with that analogy. We're down that path. Yeah. Neil had an idea. You guys saw it, liked it and yeah. said, we had some members of our team who got a call from an industry friend of ours who had visited AutoCamp. The first one they had at Russian River in um, up in uh, outside of San Francisco, and he pulled in and saw you know Mercedes, BMWs. He's like, wait, I'm sw I'm going camping here, right? So he pulls in, he walks in, and there's guys drinking you know, glasses of wine around an indoor fire pit and. It was like people from big venture firms, big tech companies, and his mind was just blown. So he calls us, um, calls some members of our team, and ultimately talked to us and said, guys, this is just an unbelievable, you know, just an unbelievable uh, model. And uh, so we were intrigued. I'm going to interrupt you. Yeah, yeah. Experience, not Thank financial you. model. Yeah, no, no. Let's right. talk about that. Yeah. yeah. So an unbelievable experience. But then he, so our first question was, that's awesome. We can always go visit one but do they make money? And um, we got into the numbers and the short answer is they do make money. <laughs> a very, very compelling financial model. And so he said, look, they're about to get a deal done with a big, a big private equity firm that you guys will have heard of. We happen to be based um, in, in just outside of LA in Westlake Village. Neil and AutoCamp were based in Santa, in Santa Barbara. So we called them, said, hey, listen, don't sign your deal with this other group. The very next day, drove to Santa Barbara, sat down at breakfast with them, talked about sort of the way we approach partnerships, told them some of the things that we had done, that Bob had done and our team, and uh, Paul Novak in helping build the Courtyard brand and many others. And uh, we were just so fortunate. You know, I think after that breakfast, they felt like, hey, these are guys that, you know, they, they've um, been part of some interesting things, hopefully, that could be useful and, and hopefully felt like we were the kind of partners they'd want to have on the climb with them. And within two weeks, we'd signed a term sheet. We, we've provided over 100 million of capital to help expand them from that first uh, Russian River location to Yosemite here in Cape Cod, outside of New York in the Catskills, Zion National Park, all, all, all over the country. And so we're thrilled to be partners with and, them. And our approach is a bit, our mindset's a bit different than it was back in the 90s because what happened with us, these great companies got built, but because we our investment was in the company, you know, we ended up, when they sold, we sold, and then it was over. You know, and then we and we had these close relationships, which you still have, but 
But I mean, we lost that. And so we said, this time what we ought to do is really try to establish long-term, we want to be partners for life. You know, and they might have different owners over a lifetime, but we'd love to establish a relationship where we're helping them build something really great and where we have the ability to continue to play pr primarily on the real estate side. So that if they chose to do something with the operating company, you know, although we're, we own a portion of that operating company, that it, that'd be fine. But, but the main idea should be helping provide the capital to help grow re you know, the real estate side of this. And so that was exciting for us. It remains exciting with us. But it's a different mindset when you basically say, look, we're not trying to do a flip of the company. That's the last thing we want to have happen, unless that's what they want to do, but it, but it wouldn't be driven by us. What we want to do is really take a long-term perspective where we know there'll be iterations of the product, there'll be a lot learned, but we want to be there, good times, bad, you know, and get people through that growth stage because we know what that looks like on the other side, and it's worth it. And it's great, and it's a great people business. I mean, you you walk in here, you know, last night, yeah. and I didn't want to leave the lobby. You're just talking to the people. They're such great people, yeah. you know, and really committed to this and wanting to do the right thing and art and doing the right thing, but so passionate. And you think that's really the those are the people we're really backing, you yeah. know, as these young people who are getting a chance to do something really great. And so, for us, that's our mindset in all of our partnerships. We really, thankfully, we're in different sectors in real estate, but thankfully. Uh, all of our partners have remained partners over these last, you know, 13 years and continue to re-up. Thankfully, all of our investors have continued to re-up and expand. And so it's a mindset that is really focused on partnership, not financial, you know, not, not IRR. Not transactional. Though, you know. So let me pick on your investment partners. Are, are they, obviously, they have the same mindset, but the typical private equities, you got to return the money in five years. You, know. you have a much longer time frame. How do you, how do they allow you to do that? Well, our funds probably look a lot like the other funds, and the expectations of IRRs, et cetera, are similar, but I think they sign up for the idea that, fine, we'll cycle through this real estate, this, but then you'll be doing it again yeah, and again yeah, and again. Yeah. And so our next fund, I mean, our, our fourth fund, which has now been fully in, in, committed, 80% uh, of what we did was, the, was with the same partners and the same strategies of fund three. And fund five, 80% of what we do will be again. So they're signing up for the journey, even though they want, you know, they want returns during the journey, they're not sitting back and saying, well, I wonder if I want to back AutoCamp right. next fund. We'll also yeah. be, be part of creating the vehicles that end up holding these long term. So you think about securing places like this. I mean, it is, there's super high barriers to entry. It, it is, um, you know, very, the, the, the real estate you're creating is truly special. We're trying to get to the, the top 15 or 20 places in the country. We have our first 10. And, uh, and th that's not a portfolio that you just want to flip to, some, right. you know, to, to a pri another private equity firm, right? So, and our investors, we think, will want to be part of this, and other investors want to be part of this in the long term. So we, it, we take that responsibility to make sure that, first and foremost, we've got, you know, we're, we're hitting the goals that we need to for the existing fund, maximizing returns there. But if we can do that, where we're creating a t continuation vehicle that this can then go into establishing fair market pricing, et cetera, um, then, then all of our investors have a chance to, to play at that next stage of the, of the life cycle of the company, maybe with a different pocket of capital than they put into our opportunity fund, but, but putting that into more of a long-term, you know, low leverage kind of uh, I'm, I'm going to stay on the investing just because yeah. what, what's the mindset? And I'm, I know you guys are always fundraising, all private equity, sure. so you're on sure. fund five now, making that yeah. up. And I know yeah. it's a sensitive topic, but what's the, 
What's the world like out there for fundraising today? What's the capital it, space? It's definitely a challenging, definitely a challenging time. Yeah. I think if you're a first-time fund, especially, um, that would be a very, very challenging time. But even some of our friends that are raising, you know, they've raised billions every year. They would tell you that they're having, you know, yeah. a much more difficult time than normal. We, you know, uh, we and we're not taking anything for granted. Well, so we assume, um, it's, so difficult we assume it's difficult. We're we're just starting. Fun. You're you right. Fun five. Yeah. We're, we're just starting. Fun five. Good guess. We um, we've been very fortunate that the model that we have of this idea that fund after fund, while we don't, we can't tell you the asset that's going to be on that fund. We can tell you the conveyor belt that's going to be leading the deal. You know, the the investment mm -hmm. flow into this fund will be the same that have been bringing. You know. Every, every fund will add one or two partners that will bring, maybe in a new sector, or might be a second partner or one sector. Um, but our, the feedback we've received so far has been very, very good. And so we're, we're hopeful, but we're, rec we're also you know, realistic that it's a, it's a challenging time out there. Part of the thing I think that's allowed it, you know, that excitement to continue is that even though we're committed to our partner for life, that doesn't mean we necessarily are committed to the exact same strategy with that partnering, good, you know, and so with Concord, we started off doing, you know, select serve, brand new select serve hotels, AC hotels, you know, canopy and so forth, and it, those turned out to be, you know, great. great, great results. But I think the idea of these economy extended stay hotels, we call short stay apartments, but you know, really, that idea with Wood Spring Suites and Extended Stay America, we've really done a lot of these with with. Uh, uh, Concord, and it's turned out to be a great partnership where they've com fully committed, we fully committed. You know, we're now at 41 or two, wow. you know, which is quite a lot of activity. Yep. Again, Paul's, you know, out in the out on the road all the time with Alyssa from our Kennedy from our team, and uh, just being part again partnering up. We're not just again, we're not just capital. And I think the, uh, the Mark would tell you that is that this is really a partnership. They've created a separate division. We've created a separate team, and we're just hooked at the hip and doing as much as we can. And, and so. we went, we went, and uh, you know, with with Mark and Paul, we approached Marriott and Hilton and sort of said, guys, there's a huge amount of white space between where you're at now, with with you know your lower ADR, um, very nice product, but lower ADR brands. Um, and, and where we're at with yeah. this economy extended stay. And so we've been really excited that the feedback from, from both Marriott and Hilton has been really strong. And you've obviously seen them, you know, over the last you know, few months um, talk about getting into the space and, and we're gonna hopefully be a big part of that. Yeah, so let's, let's go down this. One, you guys were instrumental in getting those guys on board into the space, which is an interesting topic. Do they need to be in the space or not? But two, you guys are really leaning in. You're gonna yeah. develop a ton of these going forward. Why? What do you see in the space? Why do you like it so much? Uh, this is a needs-based product. Um, you look at these families who are in transition yeah. who don't, they don't want to sign a year-long lease in an apartment. They don't want to have to furnish it. You have your know, corporate travelers who are, you know, whether they're engineers or traveling nurses, others who really just need a place to stay for two or three months. Our average length of stay is over 60 nights. And yeah. so it's, th this is a, um, it really is a substitute for an apartment, it's a very different sort of model. And if you look at where they were at during the pandemic, when, when we all know what happened to the rest of the hotel market because we were all going through it together, they went from the high 70s to the low 70s at the, at the worst part of the pandemic. They were extremely resilient. What they really lost was their about 10% base of transient uh, business. And so that came back, we're you know, in the mid 80s now 
and it's just a, a really, really good business that we, we like investing in. Yeah, there's a lot of people leaving into that space. Yeah. Right. All right, talk about you guys are in lots of other sectors, right? Mm -hmm. Senior so housing and, 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 and the like. Tell me student housing, tell me what you like, tell me what you see in those. Give us a little, a little hotel people a little bit about other sectors. What are you seeing? Well, we're doing a lot in industrial and logistics. Okay. I think everybody knows kind of that story. Yeah. But I think this last mile logistics is actually a big thing because not only is there demand, you know, this demand to meet the same day delivery, you know, for, by, by retailers and the desire that if customers to receive their product the same day is throwing the entire distribution network on its ear, right? Yeah. Because most of the product isn't located next to the rooftop because it's over where the industrial stuff is. <laughs> and, and if it is there, it doesn't meet the requirements of the, you know, the clear heights, the technology enablement, the number of parking stalls to handle all the employees, et cetera. And so that's a sector where, again, it's a huge need on a, in a transforming world, and there's a product that's needed to meet that requirement. So, so we've partnered with some great operators uh, in a similar way uh, to, do the, to pursue uh, industrial. Uh, you can talk Stud about student, yeah, student housing is another one that we've been excited about. I mean, in the during the pandemic, a, a, an example I use all the time is when UNC was closed. I mean, closed. No, no classes, no on-campus instruction. We had built a student housing project um, about a block, you know, maybe a half mile from campus, and it was 98% occupied during the whole pandemic. So you have these kids who they went back home to mom and dad and realized I don't actually want to stay in my yeah. same bedroom anymore with my other siblings who I, I love, but I, I want to get out on my own. So they got experience college, <laughs> right? We, we, yeah, let's go really, let's go have a real college experience. And yeah. so you do have a tale of two cities where if it was a power five conference school where that, that destination, you know, college experience is, is what, you know, a lot of people go and seek out to have those deal, th those uh, properties stayed unbelievably occupied and they're still doing very well. So, so, so student housing is another uh, sector that we're focused on quite a We've bit. We've done a lot of multifamily over the years with Graystar in partnership with Graystar. And uh, again, we established these kind of priority partnerships where our investors get a chance to be first in line at you know, providing capital to these projects. So we've done you know, with Graystar a lot of multifamily as well as active adult apartments you know, that are really age-restricted apartments. So that's an interesting sector. Not a huge sector, but it's you know, the leading edge of the baby boom are people who are you know, still active you know, in the main and are really looking for some alternatives that don't include healthcare, don't need to include fixed meal plans and so forth. And so it's been a good sector. So we're doing different things like that. But in each, each case, the model is find, you know, pick a sector, find a great operating partner yeah. who we believe can scale and who has a desire to scale and invest in their operations. And by us providing capital to help fund the GP interests and, and LP interests that they have, it allows them to put their capital in we, as you mentioned, are not a family business. So in each case, our model also includes having one of our team members take on this. And we have a group, you know, team, a team that forms around this sector, becomes integrated with our partner to the extent that recently, one of our, on one of the site visits, one of the partners for one of our companies uh, said to our employee, well, now, how long have you been with their company? They, they had been on so many calls and Zoom calls with him that they thought they he was, thought he was they actually thought he was, must yeah. be an employee yeah. of their company. Yeah. And so that's, but that's the nature of what we do. And, you know, I mentioned Alyssa Kennedy in, in uh, the Short Stay Apartment 
Secretary Steve Nunez heading this whole outdoor lodging. You know, and so we have these amazing team members uh, that really get a chance, and we need them to have that chance, but you know, get the chance to really lead something and build it into a big, big business uh, where they're really running the day-to-day -day involvements with these world-class companies. And it's a great thing for them. It's a great thing for these companies to do that. One thing I was going to mention is where we can find, so AutoCamp is a great example, or in outdoor lodging as, as a sector, where if we see tremendous consumer demand that is, that's organizing almost, um, almost fanatically around an opportunity, and capital hasn't yet seen that, um, and we believe there's a chance for the capital side of that story to sort of institutionalize around yeah. something like outdoor yeah. lodging. Um, we saw this in student housing in Europe. We saw it in active adult here in the US where the demand from the customer side was very, very high. And you can tell they love the product. Same thing here with, with outdoor lodging. The, the people love having these outdoor experiences. When we started underwriting the sector, we were like, what, what kind of cap rate do you even underwrite? You know, so we were underwriting 10 exit caps for, for these deals. The first time we walked onto AutoCamp Yosemite, we're like, this deal's gonna trade at like a six to seven cap. I mean, it is, it is that institutional quality. And we've already started to see as we've tried to raise debt, we've had very large debt funds. We've had you know, big private equity, you know, big private equity. We've even had public companies come and say, hey, how, how can we be part of this? And then we've had even large sovereign wealth funds talk to us about, hey, maybe when you guys do your continuation vehicle, we'd love to be part of that long-term. Maybe they're not the right capital. Uh, whatever bucket of capital they were talking about isn't the right for the sort of development stage, but the, the longer-term stage. So we like that idea of finding those, those sort of demand patterns that we think are secular in nature, where capital hasn't yet quite organized around. If we can hit operationally and we're underwriting cap rates that are way higher than they're going to be, then that has turned out to be, uh, in three or four different instances, a very good thing for our investors. Um, so we're we're always those are hard to find, but we're always on the lookout. Yeah, for those you, you can make up a lot if you can institutionalize this yeah. space. All right, guys, this is great. I'm I'm wrapping up. So now I'm getting into sort of the advice and like the family and the next generation stuff. But Bob, I'm gonna so I'm gonna start with you. Like we are and our mentors, right? We need great mentors. So I'm going to Trammell Crow and those people. What do you think the best thing you learned from those guys was? And what yeah. would you pass on to the next generation? Trammell, uh, Trammell Crow himself, you know, gave a speech yes. at the Harvard Business School. And somebody asked him, said, well, you know, what is the real, uh, the most important thing in business? And he would kind of rub his, you know, his, he was bald and he kind of rubbed his head for a minute. He said, well, you know, the most important thing is love. And people are kind of stunned, you know, it's the Harvard <laughs> Business School class. Right. And people rushed to want to work for somebody who cared about them. Uh, you know, when I left uh, Trammell Crow, and we had started this, you know, Hampstead group that did the, you know, Wyndham and Bristol and so forth. I mean, Trammell would just have his, uh, his uh, assistant call me and say, hey, I'm walking over the street right now. Uh, we're going to lunch, you know, and so I mean, the fact that he actually did care about the people and cared about your future, he, you know, he, he figured he'd be fine, you know, but he really wanted to, to, you know, care about people. That's a pretty important mentoring thing, I think, that you think of the Trammell Crow Network. Um, at Trammell's 100th birthday, which he didn't make, he died at 95, but, but they had a 100th birthday celebration, invited all the former partners to come. And 
everybody came. But uh, a guy who was head of uh, the real estate practice at PwC, Byron Carlock, uh, did a little presentation and showed that 45% of all the, if you take the top two titles at each firm, major real estate firm, 45% of the one of the top two was a former Trammell Crow alumni. And so I think this idea of it attracted people who had a similar mindset of wanting to, hey, make a difference, do something at scale, but do it in a way where they'd attract other people, you know, and be partners for life was kind of the idea. And so I think that's a great thought uh, as you're trying to build a business is if you build a business that people would want to be partners with you forever in, that's a pretty good, pretty good learning, at least that, I've, that I got for sure. What, I'm gonna go to family, what, on that same topic, what advice would you give your grandchildren, the next generation? For me, I think what we do try, I've got grandchildren uh, that are actually that age, uh, 22 year old grandson um, who is gonna be in business and he, he'll, he'll be certainly more successful than I am. And, and, sure. and uh, yeah, version 3.0 is, is uh, way, way, way better than uh, both of us. So. Yeah, will they come? Will, will the third generation yeah, come yeah. join? Or do you think? Or you they know, go do their own thing? I think he'll probably end up doing his own thing. Yeah, well, and we want him yeah. to, honestly. Sure. Yeah. Because I think what we want to do is build an institutional firm where the people in our organization know that there's not going to there's not going to be no limitation on what they can do because right. we're going to bring somebody else in. And so we you know we're encouraging you know encouraging them, his dad, his grandfather, you know, to say, hey, get all the experience you can. You can do anything you want in life. Yeah. Go to work for people who are going to be great partners and give you something big to do. Don't come to work for some place where people wonder if you got the job because of that, unless that's really what you want to do, in which case we'd be thrilled to have you join, you know, at the right level and work your way up. And if you earn your way, great. But I mean, yeah. just, you know, but I think that idea of that you really can do great things, but go to work for people who care about your helping you grow, I think is a, a huge thing. Wes mentioned that that was really what attracted him to Graystar, and yeah. it was so true. We hope it's true of our people at, at Whitman-Peterson that they feel that way. We've certainly seen them do that, and hopefully they feel that way too, that they're getting the opportunity to do great things. And, and so I think that idea of, um, you know, you don't want to go to work for somebody where you're just a cog in the machine, unless, yeah. they're, fine, do, do it for five years. But if you can really build something and people care about you and want to help you grow, you know, there's almost no limitation to what you can do. Wes, closing statements? Thanks for having me. Oh, Thanks. you're so, so nice, nice to make the effort. To so nice to make the effort. I'll just say that, um, you know, one thing I'm grateful for growing up in the real estate business, um, around the real estate business, is the way that this guy has lived his life has made my life so much easier. I mean, I think of decision, how he's treated people his entire career. I mean, I meet people that, you know, have known him throughout life and it's just immediately, you're not starting from behind in a conversation. Uh, you, you know, there's this level of trust and respect. And so I, I hope that I can do that for my son. Um, just to share one quick story. Um, when I was in college, I knew, I knew I was gonna learn a ton from him. And so I would just go to his executive meetings and sit in the back and just 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 learn. You know, just I'd sit in time after time and just see how he ran meetings and see the dynamics that were going on when you know somebody was asking a tough question and you know when they're challenge, taking challenging problems on. And I remember leaving, going to the parking lot, and I ran into a janitor who was working at the building. 
And I said, hey, how are you doing? He said, I'm doing great. And he said, oh, were you upstairs? And I said, oh, yeah, I was up there. And he said, what floor are you on? And I said, I was on the third floor. And he said, oh, that's where all the, 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 big, the big guys are. And, and I said, oh, yeah. He said, well, who's your dad? And I said, oh, his name's Bob. And I didn't really want to say who he was, but he, um, he said, Bob Whitman? And I said, yeah. And he said, he said, I've been working here for 20 years, and your father is the only person who has come to ask my name, to ask about my family, to care about me, and I mean, it was like the proud, I mean, I'm sort of getting teared up talking about it. it. was like one of the proudest moments of my life. And I was just like, you know what? I want to be like that. And, and so I think that what, what, he, what he has taught me throughout my life is, is uh, um, just do your best to be super humble and be grateful and to see that every single person, and when we tour assets, I mean, we love to meet, you know, the housekeepers. We love to meet the front desk staff, we, we love to meet the night auditors, you know, I mean, the people who are giving their lives every single day to try to do the best job they can, you know, and it just, anyway, so it's, I think just, it, like you said, it's a people business. It's a people Wes, business. thank you. This is why I love doing these. Yeah. Yes. I love Thanks. this. Uh, thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thanks for being real. Thank you for opening yourself up.